Born into a musical family, John Lynn was exposed to the sounds of the Weavers, the Kingston Trio, Woody Guthrie, and other folk music royalty while playing around the family piano. At the age of 19, he picked up a guitar, but it wasn't until his early 30s when he started writing songs. After easing into the open mic scene in Massachusetts, he was encouraged by a guitar teacher to take his music more seriously. Since then, he's gone on to become a mainstay in the Washington, D.C. Americana scene, playing both solo and fronting the folk rock band After the Flood, while also acting as a creative coach, guitar teacher, and all-around community resource. John has released a solo album, Illinois 14, and an eponymous album with After the Flood that got to number seven on the national folk radio charts. He's played the Rocky Mountain Folks Festival and the D.C. State Fair. After writing extensively over the pandemic, he has an album in the works tentatively called Sinners and Saints. John Lynn's writing vibrates with the tones of hidden struggles and triumphs. Whether you hear stories of growing up on the prairies of the Midwest or of the sweet disappointments of love, John's music will leave you with a sense of depth and mystery of human experience, and its often hidden joys and tragedies. Often drawing on spiritual themes, John uses vivid imagery and carefully crafted lyrics to paint the pictures of the ordinary lives of people you see every day. Virginia mine on the Quantico River They found the pyrite in 1904 I moved down to Dumfries and bought me a hammer And I bought me a hammer at the company store Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, then sit down to talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce John Lynn. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, David. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. Um, I, You know, I'm interested. We were talking a little bit before we got started that, that you had a certain amount of uh, resistance uh, as you've as you've been growing as an artist, and I want to get an idea of how, how has that impacted your songwriting. Do do you feel like you've been resistant to to trying new things, or or has it been mostly just kind of recording it? Um, no, that's a great question. Um, I I think that the resistance can manifest in writing as well. Um, it I feel like. Um, what I resist sometimes in the writing process is getting down to the truth. You know, I think we both know Mary Gaucher, for example, mm-hmm. and I've taken her classes out of Rocky Mountain Song School. And, um, you know, um, I was in her class one time and I workshopped a song that I was working on called St. Francis. Um, and we got to the point where, you know, she just said, that's not, you know, I was, I can't remember what the lyric was, but she was just telling me to really get down to what the truth of the song was. And with the help of the class, we started rewriting it right in, right in real time. And she was like, you need to go down to the river right now and finish the song. She literally kicked me out of class <laughs> um, to go finish it. And, and I think that is the resistance part. It's like, sometimes it's hard to really get at the truth of what you're trying to say. And the resistance I've experienced around recording and and production and putting music out into the world, I think, has been similar in that if there is something true in my art, which I think there is some there's some true stuff in my art. I I I I have got to the point where I I know it when I see it in my own writing. Mm-hmm. 
And the resistance, I think, is that when you when you put that out there, it leaves you exposed. Mm. You know, even even in the project that you and I've been working on this week, I was like writing the song to, uh, to do here on the podcast. And, um, you know, kind of thinking like, oh, can I get down to something with this, you know, without just trying to, you know, impress David or, you know, what, you know, what I mean, just like what. So, yeah, it's a long way of saying, yes, there's resistance in writing. And yes, there's resistance in putting music out into the world um, because it's the most personal thing that I can do is mm. to is to tell a story through a song or a piece of art. It's so personal um, that it that it can leave me feeling exposed for sure. Well, so what are some of your uh, strategies for overcoming that that resistance? Um. <laughs> well. That's a, another really good question. Um, is it different each time? Is it? Um, I think it's familiarity, hmm. actually. Um, part of resistance can be like sabotage sometimes. Sometimes, you know, like I was mentioning to you before we started that my my first album project, Illinois 14, consisted of several recording projects that had been done at different times over previous years, going back quite a while. Mm. And that's all in the liner notes of the record, kind of what the record is about. And um, I think understanding that um, resistance, you know, kind of becoming familiar with my own resistance and like, oh, hey, I tried to throw my music under the bus again, but I remember I did that before, so maybe this time mm. I won't do it. Because it just becomes a familiar thing that kind of like, oh, I want to give this up. I'm going to quit this. It's too hard. And of course, it keeps coming back because, you know, because I'm an artist and it's just there for me all the time, no matter what. But the other thing that's really helped me is community, mm. is being in community with other artists. Um, and seeing them experience the same things that I do and normalizing those feelings and, and, um, uh, being part of artistic community. I really feel that as a songwriter, but I imagine as any type of artist that it's, it's really important, um, to be connected to other artists, you know, um, who are living that, that lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, the first song I have queued up here uh, does touch on the uh, subject of support. So let's let's take a look at this song and, and kind of see if we can delve into your songwriting process a little bit more. This is Mama by John Lynn from the album After the Flood. And here we go. Mama, take me Hyundai way. Mama, take me Hyundai way. Safe and warm, a place where I can sing. Mama, take me under your wing. Mama, can you ease my mind? Mama, pretty, please ease my mind. Just can't seem to stop it thinking all the time. Mama, can you ease my mind? Don't let me down. Turn me around. 
Dustin for the grave. Talk to your boy, cause I heard he's swift to say, Mama, I am headed for the grave. All right, that was Mama by John Lynn from the album After the Flood. And uh, first off, I just want to say... <laughs> Uh, and we don't we don't talk too much about the production outside of how it affects songwriting. But I just want to say this is this is a gorgeous song that is just a, got a gorgeous production. I mean, everybody's voice sounds perfect. The just everything's pristine. This is this is just a beautiful beautiful uh, recording here, um, and the, the song is is gorgeous. And uh, I really really appreciate your use of repetition and kind of the simplicity of it. But but it just it just it packs a punch. So why don't you tell me, how did you write this song? This is a song that, that grabbed me. Um, 
I was going through a rough patch. Not that that ever happens to singer-songwriters. Never. Never. No. We, we're very <laughs> undramatic people. Um, and I'd been through a very rough breakup um, mm. with with a woman I was really in love with. And um, and it, it, you know, as... As despite our best efforts, sometimes these things happen, and and uh, yeah. it was very rough, and it was a bit of a you know dark night of the soul for me. And I I have a writing practice, you know, a kind of a journaling morning pages type of practice, um, where I, I mostly write every day, um, mm-hmm. uh, sort of some free writing. Generally, keep it to three pages or less. Um, and I, I sat down to do some writing late in the evening one time, and I was um, experiencing some grief about this relationship. And, you know, I don't know, for those of you familiar with grief, like, if you touch on it, like, in one area, it tends to migrate over to something else you may have, you know, lost previously. Mm, sure. <laughs> and um, I lost my mom in uh, in 1999. And I started writing about my own mother in in all her imperfections. She was still a delightful person, but very imperfect. And as, you know, as are we all, that's not a, not a judgment. Sure. Um, And um, this sort of like very fundamental desire just to be taken care of, you know, like take me under your wing. Like I'm feeling not great. Like um, kind of a vulnerable griefy spot and and so I started writing a little bit about my own mother and kind of getting in touch with this kind of feeling of longing which I feel like is in the song there is there's a feeling of longing there I feel like and um for me it migrated um it's not just about my own mother and my own experience of family but it it's really about a kind of universal feminine in a way. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a prayer. Um, and that's often the way I talk about it when I introduce it, if I introduce it at all, when I play it out. Um, but if you, you know, at the end, it's, it's all, it's like a little bit, you know, I grew up in the uh, Episcopal tradition uh, and I'm a, you know, I, I write a lot about spiritual themes. It's kind of stuff that really interests me. Um, and there's a line in the in the third verse, um, talk to your boy because I heard he's swift to save. And this is really an address to like the the divine feminine, really like the Virgin Mary kind of prayer almost, you know, mm. like your boy then if the Virgin Mary would be Jesus, you know, sure. like, talk to your boy because he, I heard mm. he's swift to save. So it's like, I mean, I'm ha- it's like this need, you know, this kind of like really fundamental need. And I feel like it's, it's, it's a song that exposed me a lot. I wrote this a while ago, so it's, I'm used to singing it now. And when I just listen to it, it's kind of fun because it, it's one of those songs that almost feels like it was written by somebody else now huh. because it's, it's sort of back a bit in my writing sure. career. Um, but it was typical of the way I write in the sense that this, this one, and th- I like this song, um, and it wouldn't leave me, al- it just, I, I had to stay, I stayed up until I finished it. I, I, I started writing in my journal, maybe 10, 1030 at night. And I think I was up till three 30 or four in the morning and oh, I wow. finished it. Nice. Which is not the way that, again, that's, 
it's not typical that they come to you like in that like single session all the time. Sure. But it's it's typical in the sense that some feeling really grabbed a hold of me and it felt like uh, this is what drove me to write in the first place. Like the, the only thing to do with that was to get it out on in music or on paper and out of my body, like just to write about it. You know, that's 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 been the driving force in my writing kind of all along. Well, we had talked, uh, you know, we had talked earlier about resistance. I mean, this one, I, you know, is a really personal song. So did you did you struggle? I mean, it sounds like it came out really quickly once it started going. But did you run into any resistance about trying to to get it out there and playing it live or anything along those lines? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, there's I have a couple songs that when I first came out, I was just petrified, mortified, super embarrassed. This one, this one, I recognized early on that it really spoke something true for me. So it, mm-hmm. I had a little less trouble with this one. I have another song about death, one of my other favorite themes. Those of you, sure, yeah, <laughs> some of you who know my songwriting will will get a chuckle out of that. You know, so like love to write about death, and I have a song called "Everything Must Die," which sounds like a punk song, but it's nice. it's a it's a sad folk tune. Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually, actually, it's a happy song about death. Um, believe it or not, we need but, more of those. Honestly, especially yeah, this Halloween just happened. So, or at the time, <laughs> at the time this is released, Halloween will have just happened. So that's that's true. Yeah. Um, and that that's another song that remi- that that uh, I remember. I workshopped it at Rocky Mountain Song School one time in a class, and I was embarrassed because it was like super personal and sad, and and uh, and I but I got a lot of good feedback on it. So it's like I think my experience and I, and in my coaching now, and like in my teaching, I I try to remind my students, like if it feels weird and personal and scary, that's it. Like then you're on, that's what, that's the song you want to write, you know, Uh, because the more, the more personal you can be and the more specific, more specific I can be, as it turns out, that's the, then it, it's more easily relatable, I think to other people. So um, that's kind of where this one came from. Well, this is a, I think, a really interesting song just because of how much repetition there is to it. It's, uh, you know, uh, you know, Mama, of course, is repeated, you know, multiple times, and that's, you know, when you talk about it being kind of like a prayer, that it's a mantra too. It's a sort of, it's something that's so familiar, and everybody has said it or some version of it uh, as they grew up, and and that repetition, it just, it does feel like yearning and crying and and you must have known that there was a universal quality to this as you were writing it um that it was going to appeal to a lot of folks but of course then you you know you have your repetition but then you have one line basically that carries the weight of uh kind of something a little bit more more specific you know safe and warm a place where i can sing or or i just can't seem to stop it thinking all the time do you want to talk a little bit about repetition and using repetition in songs Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't know if I consciously did this in this song. Um, uh, but I like your, I like your take on the mantra, the kind of, um, that aspect of repetition. Um, sort of like, you know, if you're saying the rosary or something, you know, like you got to keep track on the beads, like you keep saying the same thing over and over (laughs) again, you know? Um, but I, I also think I sort of stole it from the blues tradition. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Where you get like a statement, 
you repeat it, and then there's like a commentary on it. And I feel like there are these these lines in the song that are the commentary, you know, like, take me under your wing, take me under your wing. Why? Well, I need a safe, warm place where I can sing my songs because I'm afraid to sing my songs, you know. Um, this kind of shelter, you know, it's like, give me shelter, you know, that kind of request. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm not the most industrious writer either, although... <laughs> Well, I was going to say it's kind of laziness in a way, but I think it this I think it serves the song in this case um because of that sense of statement and commentary. That's that's kind of how I how I see the repetition here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I like that. What one thing that uh stood out to me um is that you you've got a pretty standard form going on up until you get to the uh third verse where you go, Mama, I am headed for the grave, and then you know my body's destined for the grave. So you break a little bit from the pattern. And I, I mean, I love that. I absolutely love that. But was there any particular conscious reason you did that? Or was it just you just felt right? Yeah, I I actually do that in in a couple of the verses where there's just a slight modification. Um, oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That in the second uh, stands up here too. Yeah, pretty please yeah. is my mind. Uh, pretty please is something a child would say. You know, I kind of like that, sticking it in there. Um, and um, and in verse three, instead of knocking at the door, there's one that's I'm coming through the door. But I, I feel like, but I feel like those those little changes for me, it's partly to break up the straight repetition. But it's also to add just a little bit more information to like how I'm feeling, just a little bit more. I think that's that was the impetus in the writing. It's like, well, I'm headed for the grave. What does that mean? Well, the body, you know, when nobody gets out alive, right? The body is my body is destined for the grave. And that I'm also concerned about that, as it turns out. So, you know, talk to your boy because I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> it's concerning you know so anyway that's this is the kind of stuff i think about all the time well this is a fam this is a fabulous fabulous song here um but let's let's take a look at another one you've got here you, you brought in another song um all right this is a song called fool's gold miner by john lynn and this version is off of the after the flood album but it's also in another version it's uh, on your Illinois 14 album. All right, here we go. Before I give you another penny, I'll let the shafts fill up with rain. I'll let the shafts fill up with water until the frogs can jump right in. That's when you'll see another penny from me Virginia mine on the Quantico River they found the pyrite in 1904 I moved down to Dumfries and bought me a hammer and I bought me a hammer at the company store. I 
All right, that was Fool's Gold Miner by John Lynn off of the album After the Flood, and also uh, Illinois 14 in a different version. Anyway, uh, fantastic song. This was just a powerful story, uh, and and the second song in a row here that mentions the grave. So that is a, that is a common theme of your songs. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, I I just have to highlight this here. I just I really love this 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 uh, last verse. For three weeks in April, we stood at the pickets, remembering Henry. We stood in the rain. The bosses were laughing, saying, "Miserable bastards! We found cheaper labor in the mountains of Spain." Oh, devastating! Um, <laughs> so sad. <laughs> just wow this is a an amazing story so what what inspired this how did you even come across the story and, and well, decide to write about it yeah well um this is mostly a true story um hmm. the mine is a this is a real place um the characters i made up okay um but it's it's based around a true story i went um this uh this i song i wrote as part of a Tim Reardon's Fearless Songwriter Challenge. Oh, um, okay. Shout out to Timmy Reardon. Absolutely. Um, fearlesssongwriter.com. And um, uh, I went on a hike down in the uh, Prince William National Forest, which um, is down near Quantico, Virginia, near Dumfries, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, down on, near like the peninsulas down there. And... Um, there is an abandoned mine site there hmm. and with some interpretive displays. And I'm kind of a nerd. I love interpretive displays, you know, and, uh, you know, telling the story of what you were looking at. And a couple things just got me so fired up that I felt like I had to write about this. The first thing was that the mine closed in 1920. Um, and it closed over a labor dispute, which is what's described in the in the song. And uh, it was the operation. The capital did go to Spain. That was part of what the mm. they closed. The labor dispute actually closed the mine. And um, you know they would take the the ore out, uh, and and there was sulfur in the ground there. And the sulfur, uh, when it was exposed to the air, would turn into sulfuric acid. Mm. And I was, I can't remember exactly what year it was when I wrote this, but it still smells like sulfur there after nearly a hundred years. Wow. And it just blew my doors off. You know, that this, this place uh, where they had brought this stuff out of the earth and had contaminated the landscape and still where (laughs) the mine is, where the tailings were and nothing grows there still after a hundred years. And so I just got really kind of turned on by this. And you, there, um, the, sh- the mine shafts were these vertical tunnels they drilled down where they would lower people down in these giant buckets mm-hmm. to mine the ore. Um, and so uh, I, I, uh, I came home and started writing this song. And a lot of it is based on some stuff I saw when I was down there 
I did some, this is one of those songs where I actually did some research where I looked online to see what I could find out about this place. Um, and so that's kind of how it all came, came together. You know, it's really fun. Well, now you said it was ultimately prompted from uh, Timmy Reardon's Fearless Songwriting Program. What? And so that means that you there was a prompt and you had to write it in a day. So what what was the prompt? Do you remember what the prompt was? I actually do not remember the prompt. And um, did, and how close is this? I mean, did you write this mostly in one day, or how yep. close is this to the original version? I wrote this in one day. I started writing the lyrics. Uh, on the way home in the car because I wasn't mm. driving. I was with my then girlfriend. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I remember writing the song, doing the research, writing sort of into the evening and having the basic structure of the thing mostly done uh, by the end of the evening. Yeah, I mean, it, it was edited, I'm sure. Um, uh, over the upcoming days and, and weeks, but most of it was there on that first day. Very nice. Very nice. And so what, uh, how faithful do you feel like you have to be to, to the facts of the situation when <laughs> you're writing a historical story? I mean, you said that you, you invented the characters, uh, but I, by the way, you, you included a, a, a kind of a, something around here that that's a write-up about the song uh below uh and i didn't have much of a chance to read it so um, no it's fine it's yeah. it that's just tag that's happens to be on the end of the lyric sheet because i've i've submitted this to um songwriting competitions before oh, okay so it's like i add the extra information on there um well that's a good question um and and there's a lot in this that is factually correct um, because I feel like that adds to the song, like to just have some facts. Um, like, for example, the intro, the before I give you another penny part, that was on one of the interpretive displays there. And it was uh, one of the foremen at the factory. This is what he actually said to the striking workers that I'll let I'll let the shafts fill up with water and let frogs swim in there before I give you any more money, you know. Mm. And that also made a big impression on me, this, this conflict of people trying to make a better life and then uh, management and the owners of the capital refusing and taking their operation somewhere else uh, in the context of the World War where they were mining this pyrite um, for use, um, for military use. And I thought that that's where the Kaiser's army comes in, you know, it's for world war one. And, um, um, you know, the, um, sulfuric acid that I mentioned, you know, earlier coming out of the mine. So. Hmm. Now you had said, uh, I mean, uh, earlier you had said that, uh, social, uh, justice is one of your, one of your bigger concerns in songwriting. And is this how it usually comes mm -hmm. out? Is it you, you, you find a story and you, you try to tell it in the kind of this format? You know, it doesn't always come out this way. I think it's a little more successful when it comes out this way. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just want to kind of write about, you know, we shall, you know, we shall overcome or Kumbaya. Those songs are hard to write. Um, yeah. I think this, I think this, this type of song for me is a bit easier because it gives me more to hang my hat on, you know? Just the narrative structure, um, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, 
it's great. You can look up, um, you know, words associated um, with a particular industry and like mm -hmm. mining, and that will help you give credibility. As an artist, I can stick that stuff in and and combine my imagination with facts to tell a story, you know? Um, so I kind of feel like when I introduce this song, I usually say this song is a true story except for the parts that I made up, which is really what, <laughs> which is really what it is. And I have to say the first, the first thing I got that I really liked in this song was the chorus. Um, and when I, when I came upon this lyric of it's a world of lies that I'm tunneling through, I just, for some reason, I just, this revelation that the character has that he really isn't in charge of his life, that he's been sort of sold a bill of goods um, about, uh, you know, the company store is in there too, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, a, a phrase that's often associated with the exploitation of workers, you know, hmm. having to buy you know, not being paid in money, but being paid in script for the company store. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I think that the, the social justice angle comes out pretty strong in this one. Yeah. Well, I think just the line fool's gold miner, that's a great play on words just right there. Um, but just, just this wonderful storytelling. I, I really appreciate jargon as well, just like, mm. you know, for a particular, uh, uh, profession and whatnot. Um, so I, I really appreciate, uh, just some of these these great details, and this is this is a song you can really learn from. I, I just uh, it, it makes you want to to it made me want to go and look up more details. And then of course I saw the attachment that you have here at the bottom uh, that gives more of those details. But 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 yeah, it definitely made me want to look into the to the history behind this. So great great song, really wonderful thing. Thank you so much. It's it's um, and again I. The, I just want to say one thing, like sometimes I realized I talk about these songs kind of like when I wrote them, I had mm -hmm. all this in mind. I did not like songwriting is, is for me, is like kind of fumbling through. It's a, it's, a, it's dealing with the unknown a lot. Mm -hmm. Like now that it's all done and complete and recorded on an album, it's easy to kind of talk about in that way. Like, Oh, this is what I did, but half of it's, you know, just luck and being willing to kind of try different things, you know, just keep on, messing around until you get something that you like. I, I'm totally with you on that. I think it's uh, a lot of times it feels like it's a, at least the first run through is kind of a Rorschach test. You're, right. you're, you're putting down whatever <laughs> you got and then it doesn't even become clear to you what it's about until oh, yeah. you've, done, you're, you've gone through it once. And then you go back and maybe you revise it so that it has a little bit more, you know, following that sense. I know for my my challenge song this week, it was very much like that. Um, oh, yeah, me too. But we, we can get into that as well. This is a great segue here because uh, we uh, it's about time for us to take a break. And uh, we'll be back uh, in just a little bit to talk about... Uh, the prompts that uh, that uh, I gave John and, and then the songs we produced from him. So, so we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I am here talking with John Lynn, a singer-songwriter out of Washington, D.C. So uh, about a week ago, I sent uh, several prompts to, to John to choose from. Let me, let me just read them off to you here. Uh, the first was a random picture. It's a picture of a small plant growing through uh, broken concrete. There was a random word, circumforaneous, which is a noun meaning going 
going about from market to market. A random quote. Oh, do not attack me with your watch. A watch is always too fast or too slow. I cannot be dictated to by a watch. That's from Jane Austen's Mansfield Park. A random style. Write a song in the style of Bon Iver. And then there was the fearless prompt from Timmy Ridden's Fearless Songwriting Project. You can go to timmyr.com to, to get that prompt every uh, every week, actually. So this was uh, October 16th prompt was Sinking Boat. Sinking Boat. And there's a picture of a boat uh, about to capsize. So, uh, John, yeah, why don't you tell us which which prompt uh, did you choose and, and what were you tempted by? Yep. I, um, I ultimately chose uh, the random quote, the Jane Austen quote. And I combined it with write a song in the style of Bon Iver. Um, and I didn't, you know, I found them all very compelling. Um, sinking boat, you know, enjoying sad songs and songs about death. I thought that's right up my alley. Um, the little plant poking through the concrete. I actually have a song where that's a lyric in one of my songs. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So that so you I was already like, covered that territory. Yeah, I kind of already that was... covered that. <laughs> so I, I pulled my wife too. I was like, and I said, pick a number between one and five, but I also had veto power. So she, actually I wanted to combine two. So I said, pick two numbers and she picked two and three, but I didn't really want to do circumforaneous. It just uh -huh. didn't really jive with me. So I picked two and three. And partly I picked, I combined it with the Bon Iver because I'm not super familiar with Bon Iver. I'm not all that crazy about Bon Iver, although I appreciate them now more than I did. Mm -hmm. um, and it also scared me a little bit. And I thought, oh, that you should just get in there and try that. What the heck? So I, that's, I that's how that I got there. I love that if it scares you, you're just going to jump into it. That's great. That's a great attitude to have. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> if I could do it or not. I had no idea, you know. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's find out what you did do. Sweet. All right. This is John Lynn's challenge song for the week, and it is called TikTok. And uh, let's take a listen to it.
That was TikTok by John Lynn. It was his contribution to the challenge this week based on the prompts. Oh, do not attack me with your watch. A watch is always too fast or too slow. I cannot be dictated to by watch, a quote by Jane Austen, and also done in the style of Bon Iver. And that was that was that was really great. I really feel like he captured the feeling of kind of that indie college folk rock <laughs> scene. Uh, I could totally hear that. Uh, uh coming out of coming out of that kind of a radio station so 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 what was it like trying to 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 put together not just two prompts but but do it in the style of of someone like this it was it was really fun um i have to say and i i spent you know i didn't i put a little bit of time in early in the week just listening to boney Vare. i had a trip to baltimore on wednesday morning so i just kind of we put some boney Vare on just listened to it, so I could kind of get the idea of what it was their music was about, and then you know, then decided like how can I incorporate some of these like high falsettos, these very like droney. They they're kind of like um, Gregory Allen Isakoff. They kind of like create a vibe, you know, just a feeling, kind of a trance music almost, you know, and mm. and so like that's kind of what I was trying to get into with this different little things in this song, you know, just sticking like the verse, uh, you know, the, did I agree to this, that, that part, that's just one, a minor chord for most of it. Um, mm. and, and then just like trying to stay with that, just like, they do a lot of this kind of strumming, just like boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, you know, they just kind of do it over and over again, staying on one chord, 
that was really the fun part. Very cool. And, and so you, we talked about Rorschach tests earlier, but how did you, how did you construct this? Did you feel like it was, um, the lyrics were, I mean, did you have in, in your mind where you wanted to go with it? Obviously you wanted to get the clocks and, and whatnot in there, but. Yeah. Rorschach test is, is great. Cause I usually, I just did some free writing around the, you know, the quote idea. Um, and there are words from the quote in the song that too slow, too fast is in there. Um, and the main themes that kind of, when I wrote down the lyrics and the, the, the sort of ideas I liked from my free writing, um, really the, the certain themes emerged from the quote. And one was this idea of constraint, how time feels constraining in this quote. Um, uh, also a violence, do not attack me with your mm -hmm. watch. You know, so it's like this idea of, of, of that time is can do violence to you actually. Um, and so then being, you know, with the, you know, I got to bring the death back in. So that's where the <laughs> you know, you know, nature laughs us back to dust. I just kind of dug that, you know, it's like, and then directly addressing time, you know, you are never satisfied. You know, you got these deadlines around your neck, like body punches. There's a lot of violence in this song, right? It's like, um, uh, and then the mechanization of the world in the course, like gears turning, wheels burning. I was trying to get a sense of like grease and steel and the world, you know, just being like, um, you know, kind of the, the way that it feels sort of mechanized, automatic, violent, mm -hmm. how, how the, the constraints of time, you know, one of the lyrics I threw out was like how I'm stuck in a color coded box, you know, like on my Apple phone schedule, you know, oh, it's like sure, I'm kind of sure, sure. stuck in there. I can't get out, you know? And so like, th that's basically kind of, I think what started to emerge. And then again, there's repetition in this song. Um, partly just cause I like the way it sounded with the music, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just, uh, and I was thinking about maybe not doing that, but it, it never quite came together that way. So I just stuck with doing it this way. Well, did you feel like, uh, you were fighting any of your regular songwriting tendencies while doing this? Uh, I mean, was there any particular struggles or did it, were you able to just sort of zero in on, on what you were trying to do with stylistically? You know, what I found was like having Bon Iver to kind of copy mm -hmm. some, or like my interpretation of what they do. Like it's, you know, just having that to hang my hat on actually kind of freed me up to create these little, like there's like three segments. There's that, Part that's the intro and the outro and then there's like an, a nice chorus which i really like the the melody of the chorus that i was excited about that and then there's the verses so it's like i just took different aspects of this what i thought was the bony vera sound and and was able to kind of make those things up and that was really fun and it because i had that scaffolding i feel like it was mostly enjoyable and didn't really stress me out too much which was nice nice well i really i love those i, I love the oohs I love bringing in the radium. I just, I love that there's radium in the, in a song. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, and the body punches one by one deadline around my neck, body punches one, one by one. That's just such a great image to associate here. And I don't know. There, there's a lot of really cool things in here that I, that I, that I really like. Um, thank you. So, uh, well, I asked this of all, all the guests, but, do you feel like this is a finished song 
And if not, how would you go about revising it? Good question. Um, I feel like um, one thing I would do is I would shorten the outro. I want it. I, I was in this sort of drone, like we're going to drone on and create mm-hmm. a soundscape for a while. It's too long. I, I'm going to, if I ever kind of rec- come back to this tune, I would maybe do it once or twice and then cut it. I think like it's just a little too much for my ear. Sure. Um, I've never, the chorus is done. Um, this, you are never satisfied part, you know, having said I would shorten it, it's done. I like it. Mm-hmm. The verses haven't quite settled with me. I might, I might go back and I like the lyrics, but I'm not super convinced that the melody I wrote there and the chords I wrote there is, is exactly right. Hmm. I stuck with an A minor and I, it was interesting. I, I can't, I've been doing this more lately is working specifically with melody where I had that A minor chord for the first three lines of each verse. And so I, I used different, I went to the, the flat seven. I went to the G note on one of the, at the end of one melody line. And I went to the four, which is the D on one note. So I wasn't using chord tones all the time for Mm -hmm. the melody. And that's the way I was trying to create some variation aside from changing chords, for example. Sure. Um, That was sort of an experiment like maybe this will be fun and I kind of like it, but I'm not, I'm not totally sold on it, to be honest. When you're revising something, are, are you somebody who s- sticks it in a drawer for a while or do you, um, do you usually hmm. jump on it right away or how, how do you go about it just in general? I find that if I stick it in a drawer, it usually doesn't make it out of the drawer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my experience too. So yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, what I'm into right now, I'm, I'm again, we're talking about community, like, there, there's a group of us here in DC who meet every week to write a song or to do, you know, to, yeah, basically to write a song, to do creative things, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet on zoom and I, my thing is I'm into finishing songs right now. So I was really glad to have a deadline for this one because it's, you know, it's done in some form it's done. Right. Yeah. And I feel like what I want to do is finish each song. I, I start on those Thursdays in my group. I want to finish them every week because it, it's really good. I think as a songwriter to have a feeling that you are a writer who completes things, who finishes songs and projects. Like, absolutely. That, I think it's really hard. It's really easy to kind of say, Oh, I'll get back to that. But it reminds me of, um, um, Oh, what's his name? Steve Himmelman at uh, song school or Steve Poltz has this philosophy too, that, mm-hmm. that like, a f- any finished song, even if it's mediocre, is better than an absolute gem on the shelf that's unfinished that nobody ever hears. You know, it's like, just finish it and move on to the next thing. Like for me, if I write, if I need to write 30 songs to get one great one, well, let's get on with writing those 30 songs so I can have so I can have my two great ones out of those 30, you know? Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I know so many years uh I spent writing songs and, and just getting through like two verses and a chorus, you know, and then just stopping and never really getting further than that. Uh, and then things would kind of grow stale because I wouldn't, you know, I would take so long after a while, I would just lose that headspace. And I've been so much happier now that it, it, it really is just about getting it done really quickly and just having that first draft. I, it doesn't even have to be final in my mind because I will go back and I'll revise the things, but but yeah, having that feeling of a something complete, 
and 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 i think i I like the way that you put it uh that feeling of being an artist who finishes things Uh, i i think knowing what that feeling is like is is really important and and it builds on itself and it becomes addictive after a while that once you can see yourself as a finisher then it just makes you want to finish more and more things and you're right you know sometimes you may have to do 30 things before you get that one great thing but that doesn't mean that all the other 30 things are bad oftentimes you'll have like a lot of good songs and you know you'll have maybe a couple bad ones a bunch of good songs right. and then one one or two really great songs and so I, I think it's a worthwhile worthwhile endeavor for people they shouldn't shy away from that right and then it's it's good even you know just to finish something that feels sort of mediocre it's like oh that's okay and then and then get up show up for your next writing session and and do another one absolutely uh, be a working artist you know yeah, we we work work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, this is a great song, and I, I'll be interested interested to hear where you you go with it. All right. So, as is custom, I also wrote a song to the prompt. This is Autumn's Mysteries by Yours Truly. It is my contribution to the challenge this week, and here we go. won't hold me down I will rise to my feet and pull you up beside me at the quarter of the hour that's when your heart turns sour that's how it's gonna be
wonders of sage Every time I turn the page As I cross off each day Ever since you went away But the seasons always change And that's how it's gonna stay That was Autumn's Mysteries by yours truly, David Coyle. And it was my contribution to the challenge song this week. And uh, so before I go into how I wrote it, do, do you have any thoughts, anything stand out to you in this song? Uh, yeah, I I really like the song, um, David. I, I think the, um, the first thing that stands out to me is how effectively you get the style of Bon Iver between the finger picking and the way you're strumming that acoustic guitar, it's like, it really has that feeling. And also sort of the kind of cascading nature of the lyrics, you know, how they kind of fall, you know, down upon one another. Um, oh, cool. And the use of language. Yeah, I think that was very successful, actually. Um, yeah. Oh. And yeah, so very that's my cool. first thought. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was... Uh... <laughs> this was interesting because I'm I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan of Bon Iver, and I don't know that I'm a fan of him now either. After listening to this stuff, but but I, that's mostly. I, I don't think it has to do with his songwriting. I think it has to do with his uh, his particular brand of falsetto. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've been trying to sing like Bon Iver all week long. I've been in the shower singing, and and that's how I started. Was just trying to come up with that falsetto. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I couldn't do it consistently. Anyway, there are several recordings of this song where I did falsetto all the way through, and it just. I don't know. The thing about falsetto for me is I do it so infrequently that the first time was pretty good, but I got the song wrong. But then as it went on, this falsetto just kept getting weaker and weaker and weaker, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in, in my normal voice. I think the thing that stands out to me about Bon Iver is just uh, I, there's that sense of space and kind of that droniness. I, I did kind of focus more on his rhythmic stuff, uh, but I know a lot of the production, even with the rhythmic stuff, you get that airy feel to it. So I, you know, I figure, you know, that could be added afterward. 
But I, I love drones in music. I'm a big fan of drones in music, and I like airiness. So it's really, I, I should be a huge fan of Bon Iver, and, and I'm not completely sure why not. Um, but this was, yeah, I you know, after talking to you midweek, you had said most of his songs are like two chords. And so I was writing this, and I was thinking, oh, no, I'm putting too many chords in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, because I, I listened to some Bon Iver, and I just was I didn't look at it that closely, because... I think when it comes to, for me, when it comes to trying to do something in the style of another artist, which I, 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 I like doing that. I like doing that a lot, but I don't like to really study it too closely because I do worry about, um, well, I guess I kind of, my feeling is that if I don't study it too closely, then I, I'll, I'll just be focusing on the tone and I'll, I'm bound to sort of go off in my own version of that, but but it's like I try to capture tone without necessarily trying to capture the real details of it. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was it, it was interesting. Now the other part of the prompt, the 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 clock uh, and the watch. I, I I had been singing in the shower, and the chorus started coming to me, and I the words that were coming to me had nothing to do with clocks, had nothing to do with time. Uh, I was coming up with this mysteries thing. I, uh, I had, um, well, the first thing that came to mind was the falling like a leaf, uh, falling like leaves and being caught up in a breeze or something like that. Uh, and then I came up with the mysteries and then I was thinking about making a, de a detective song, but I felt guilty. I was like, I'm not I'm not sticking to the prompt. So I had to try to figure out how to bring that together. And so I started with the verses just doing the hands was the first image that came to mind there, just how to do something with hands. So I've got kind of a clock theme in that first verse. The second one has more to do with a sundial imagery. Mm -hmm. And then the third verse was about uh, just a calendar. And then it sort of dawned on me that, you know, leaves in a breeze that that brings on thoughts of autumn and that's a seasonal thing. So I figured that I could pull that into that overall concept of time. And I, I like the idea of uh, originally it was going to be like a code book and having like a code key was going to be that mystery thing. But then the, there's a color code that goes with autumn and I don't know that that kind of brought it together for me. So I was somehow I was able to finally kind of find a loose strand that that pulled everything together at least in a in a in a in a very a basic way. So uh, this is one that I definitely want to go back over and and try to shore up some of that that imagery uh, mm. or that theme. I you know what um, there are a couple things I really enjoyed about the song. Um, there's a at the end of each verse the there's kind of like a different melody and then a, it's almost like a, a refrain there. And that's how it's going to be like that one mm -hmm. that I think that's a really nice feature where there's a lot of space there and the melody is really nice, how it, how it kind of falls there. And um, one other thing I noticed, which is a nice little bit of synchronicity for you artists playing the home game, um, <laughs> which is that the, literally the words color code were discarded lyrics from my song. I, I had oh, those two words. Nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and they didn't make it into the song, but they were in the running for sure. They were uh, one of the late strikes. 
So I think that's really cool to see that same uh, image in both of our processes. You know? Well, it must have been some sort of psychic thing. It's like you dropped it and I was like, oh, hey, hey. I'm going to grab that and pull it down into my son. Yeah, I'll take your discards anytime. You got Mr. it, brother. Mr. Anytime. Lynn. Anytime. Yeah. You can have. You can even have the good stuff. It's good. There we go. <laughs> Well, so I'm, I'm, I really like the way that this one came out. I kind of feel like, uh, you know, it's, you know, is it a finished, finished song? I, I think it's, you know, it's finished in the first draft since it finished. And, and to go into my self critique, um, and unfortunately I got this done like, uh, you know, about an hour before we started recording. So I haven't had a full time to think about it the way that some, some of the songs I do, but I, 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 I want to shore up some of the stuff. I, there's a lot of the language is kind of crammed in there. I'll tell you, it's, I, I'm not sure it's, it's hard to sing. I was having a hard time singing it and I, I don't know how much of that is just me getting used to singing it and how much of that is having to, um, to, to rewrite it a little bit. So I'm probably going to go through and shore up some of the, just the syllables, you know, and, and the accents, just promise me you won't take out the quarter of the hour. That's when your heart turns sour. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. That I one. No I, I, that... I have no idea what that means, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that there was a, yeah, it was a question in my mind about like, what's the relationship between these folks? Cause is it, uh, you know, is it, is it somebody who's the, the first, the first verse kind of implies that this person's trying to help the person out somehow, but that person's like attacking them. I don't know. That's how I was thinking. And then, yeah. So I, I think there may be somebody kind of abrasive involved here that blows. Anyway, the interpretation is not completely settled in my mind. So that's something that may not be important, but I, I like the, I, but yeah, the sour, the sour line that, that is one that I would have considered taken out just because it, it deviates from the other versions the at the, at the same point in the, the verse. Because but the sun will come around is a shorter line, and but the seasons always change. Those are shorter lines, but the first verse it's at the quarter of the hour. That's when your heart turns sour. So, mm. but I it's good to know that you like that because that that feedback when you're when you're looking at a song, if you you hear that from people, that does influence. You know whether I mean if it's something you thought was a dud and somebody really really likes it, then you're like, well, geez, I guess I am gonna have to keep that. So. Well, it brings up an interesting point, which is part of what um, my experience when I heard that lyric was, well, that's part of the mystery. What is, I don't understand what that means, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I want to know, like it, it, it pulled me in, but at the same time, it could be that this is a great lyric, but not for this song. That's the other thing sometimes mm -hmm. that happens. It's like, it, it's like a great idea, but maybe it belongs somewhere else. That's possible too. Well, that's always possible. Yeah. But I don't think it's, yeah, I, I don't think it's, it, you know, sometimes I think the temptation uh, for me is to try to snap everything into place very consistently throughout the song. And that's uh, something to be fought sometimes. Those irregularities uh, can be really nice. So, and they, they, and as you said, that's kind of a hook that draws people in. And those variations can kind of be further hooks as you go along. Yeah. But anyway, I'm mostly happy with this. To me, this feels like a keeper. I think this is a song I'm probably going to develop and, 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 and hopefully perform. We'll see if I ever perform live again. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this pandemic uh, continues. So, 
Well, hey, John, uh, it has been a pleasure having you, and I would like to invite you to promote or plug anything that you've got coming up that you'd, that you'd like to promote. Um, absolutely. As, as you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the, uh, of the podcast, um, I am in pre-production for a, a new recording of songs that I've been working on during the pandemic, which has been a pretty prolific uh, period of writing for me, so I'm grateful for that. Um, and um, folks can always check on my um, shows and see my music at, at uh, johnlinmusic.com. Um, and there's also a link to the After the Flood information uh, on that website as well. And um, yeah, I have a couple of gigs coming up, local stuff here in, in D.C. I'm going to do a farmer's market on November 20th over in Brookland, which will be on the website. And um, I think I have, uh, I have a feature over in Virginia at the Roadside Grill uh, on February 2nd. But all that, that's all kind of... Um, uh, just the light performance light, you know, pandemic performance schedule that <laughs> that's been happening for many of us. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's been such a yeah fallow period right now. But mm. um, all right, well, again, John, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. It's been wonderful to finally getting a chance to talk to you. We've crossed paths a few times, but I don't think many we've times. ever really had a chance to to sit down and have a real conversation. And this is really really insightful and 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 great. Thank you so much for spending time. David, it's been such a pleasure. I want to thank you for having me. I, I really had a great time. So thanks. And thanks for the prompts and for your song. It was terrific. All right. That's a wrap. Uh, be sure to like and review the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at David L. Coyle or on Facebook at Dave Coyle's Musical Extravaganza. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. Put your hands on me now, but your hands won't hold me down. I will rise to my feet and pull you up beside me at the quarter of the hour. That's when your heart turns sour. That's how it's gonna be